0: Five, four, three. Hey, good evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Corner to Corner Wrestling Radio. We are live right here on C2Cradioshow.com, Spreaker.com, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, uh, Google Play, every place you can find a possible podcast or live show. We're there because Corner to Corner is here. Yeah, something like that. Got a lot to talk about with, with boy, uh, Dark Side of the Ring is going to be a huge topic tonight. But before we get too deep, joined, of course, by my tag team partners, Brian Taylor.
2: What's going on? What's
0: up, man? How are you? Uh, I'm all right. Good, good. Joined, of course, by our other tag team partner, Rob Hefner. Well, hello there.
1: Hello. I'd like to thank United Airlines for the beautiful service. <laughs> trying to do a prep out of Brian's book.
0: <laughs> I mean, hey, if it puts it in the ether and we start getting free airline tickets, I'm all about that. And of course, I'm Stan and We are the triple threat here of Professional Wrestling Radio. I want to put a quick disclaimer out there because we're going to be covering some sensitive material tonight. We're going to be covering the Dark Side of the Ring episode on the plane ride from hell. First and foremost, this is some adult stuff. So if normally you have your, uh, you know, we'll just say under 13-year-old kid hanging out and listening to us, maybe maybe hit the old pause button and and have them out of the room because this is adult stuff we're going to be talking about. It's not going to get ridiculous, but just to put it out there. Secondly, um, because of the adult nature of some of the conversation, I want to point out that none of us, are going to be uh, going into that situation where we're we're defending or putting down or even confirming anything because there's a whole lot of allegations coming out of this episode. Our point, our premise here is going to be to discuss what's alleged, to discuss what the show discussed, and some of the aftermath. We are not about to get into any kind of political or anything that's going to be making anybody feel any kind of way outside of, wow, what was your reaction? And I say that because, full transparency, boy did this episode really, man, it covers a lot of ground in a real rapid fire kind of pace. You don't realize that 45 minutes has passed before, next thing you know, you're sitting there at the end of the episode like, what the hell did I just watch? We'll start with the basics. Going into the Plane Ride from Hell um, episode of Dark Side of the Ring, we had heard over the course of now almost 20 years. Uh, different stories, different things that happened. Like we heard about the, the Michael Hayes ponytail. We heard about the, the, uh, the, the Ric Flair in the robe part. And I say part for a reason. We heard about the, you know, the Brock Lesnar and Kurt Hennig antics. And we even heard a little bit, not a lot it's like we heard during the episode, but even heard a little bit of how Goldust or Dustin Rhodes has uh, his behavior. We heard a little bit about that. We never heard the magnitude of some of these things, much less the true depth of just how uh, crazy. <laughs> this plane ride was going into it, Rob, we'll start with you. What, what did you th- expect going into this episode?
1: I I kind of expected what we all, you know, we're all curious about, all right, what is the truth behind this whole thing? We've heard the stories and we've heard the, the folklore, I guess, as you say, or the, the drama and the, but what was the truth? And mm-hmm. I feel like there's more questions than answers, you know?
0: Oh, yeah. Um, Tons of them.
1: Uh, a lot more questions of things that had really not come to light until this. So um, I'll just finally, I'll say that I um, am glad that I wasn't on this flight.
0: Yeah, I mean, seven hours on a tarmac before before the plane even takes off, and they're two liquor carts through. Uh, that's not good. <laughs> that's not a good sign for a bunch of guys that have that are literally uh, you know been busting their asses for an entire trip overseas. Brian, you're on the tarmac seven hours, buddy. <laughs> what do you do?
2: Mm, try and get off that plane. <laughs>
0: yeah, I can't see me sitting in an airplane for seven hours. What were your thoughts, man, going into this episode? What did you expect?
2: Um, I mean, I don't know because this one's a little bit different. I mean, we've heard the story for you know however many years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you just. Um, um sit back and I, you know for me I just sat back and and watched it to see what was said and how much matched up to what I already knew or had heard I guess
0: do you guys remember the uh WWE behind the scenes show that used to air um on Sundays it was like a unauthorized or un I don't remember what exactly what it was called, but they actually joked about the plane ride from hell on that show. Do you remember that? What <laughs> show? See, I, I'm trying. <laughs> Maybe that's the point.
1: Was it the show that was supposed to be unauthorized, but it was really authorized?
0: Right, right. One of the first episodes they did was about the Montreal screw job, and then they talk about the plane ride from hell, and where they actually made light of everything that had happened. Like well, they I think joke all the
1: about. stories, all the stories up until this episode of Dark Side of the Ring, all the time, every time somebody brought it up, it was always in a jovial, like, oh, could you believe that? Ha, 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 you know? Yeah. No one really right. cast that light of, you all acted like this,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know? Like, I never knew about the payout.
0: Yeah, I didn't I never knew about the lawsuit itself. I I didn't know a lot of that. that, that we're going to touch on that, but let's kind of go in kind of an order. We'll talk about it from the beginning. Okay, so getting into the flight, we talked about it already. We acknowledge there's a 7-hour layover or not layover, but delay on the plane because they claim that there was some kind of an issue mechanically in the in the documentary but the reality is, according to Jonathan Coachman, who was also on this flight, uh, states that there were too many people on the plane. So there's now question on that. He stated this on Twitter, by the way. So during that time frame, the liquor cart is out. Two carts are drained, and apparently there's now some, some play fighting, some goofing off. Apparently Michael Hayes walks up to JBL and slaps him, punches him, sorry, and reopens a cut, which in return, JBL palm slaps Michael Hayes and knocks him out. That's insanity, but okay. Then they get to the air and we start hearing from different perspectives. We hear from Just Incredible. We hear from Rob Van Dam, and the first things they talk about is uh, Brock Lesnar and uh, and and Kurt Hedick getting in a play fight right there in front of the emergency exit. And of course, one of one of the uh, attendants comes to tell them someone needs to go back there because they're fighting at the at the door. Brian, is that a panic moment for you if, you, if you're if you in there seeing somebody fighting in front of the emergency exit?
2: All right, I think that's a panic for everybody. I mean, not just, you know, I think everybody would probably be panicked unless you were just so drunk like Michael Hayes, who I think was probably passed out or knocked out by that time. Yeah, it's, yeah.
0: I've been hit pretty hard in, 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 over the course of time, but never so much by a slap that it knocked me senseless. Um, that must have been a hell of a slap.
2: Yeah, but uh, I mean, you ever been hit by JBL?
0: No, sir. No, <laughs> sir. Somebody even
2: remotely that size?
0: Nope. And I don't ever want to be. Let me just put it out there. <clears throat> You just
1: got to remember how big his hand probably was.
0: Yeah.
1: And when that hand, which could encompass
2: the whole side
1: of your head. Oh my God.
2: Well, maybe when he was in high school, clearly not now. You know?
1: Right. But, I mean, first fact is like the seven hour thing on the tarmac. Like, why did it not take the plane to be like, Hey, let's turn around to go back to the gate and figure this shit out. Right. Right. Um, was it like sitting there like on the tarmac like no no you go, no no you go. You
2: know, like Yeah, but plane too, so I don't know if I buy that they're sitting waiting on because they're have too many passengers. You don't think Vince couldn't have uh paid for some? See that's hey, take the next flight?
0: That's that's a great question right off the bat because that's even a – only today has that become even another question coming out of the episode. Vince apparently was on the plane. Well, Jonathan Coachman says, no, Vince and Linda were not on the plane. Right. So which is it? Vince was there or Vince wasn't? Because if Vince was there, I have a hard time believing that if Vince McMahon was there, that he'd be like, okay, with all of this crap happening right in front of him.
1: I mean, it it sounds like Vince was on another plane
0: mm-hmm.
1: with those people that usually travel with Vince, you know, mm-hmm. and the rest of the boys was on this plane. But then again, I wasn't there.
0: Right, right, and and it's tough because, God, there's so many, and, and we'll discuss it as we get further along. But there's so many different opinions out there and takes, and and wow. Some are more extreme than others, but, you know, there's a lot to unwrap in this episode. We talked about, Brian, when we did our Dark Side of the Ring episode, we talked about, what, six episodes in that one episode? Mm, in that one show? Yes, Three or four? Either way. Then, uh,
2: it was like a half a season or something. Yeah.
0: We covered a lot of ground. I mean, we really did. We, we talked about some of the big points, some of the small points, and, and we just kept it moving. There is so much to unravel in this 45 minutes of programming I don't even know if we'll be (laughs) able to unravel it all the night just because of all of the different things. Um,
1: But you also got to think that
0: something this infamous,
1: mm -hmm. you know, how many people have said they're on the plane that weren't right? How many people have were on the plane that just want to forget it?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, how many people were on the plane? And at the time, that was just the way they did things. Not saying not condoning or anything, but that's just the way they behaved when they were all together and no one had to drive. You know, they were because you always hear stories about the nasty boys playing tricks on people on long flights Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and that kind of thing. But it's like that's where you also got to discern the truth from, you know, fact from fiction, because how many people are trying to say they were there or trying to say something just to get their five minutes in front of the camera? And the others are just trying to say, all right, this is how it is because if this is how it was, or they're just trying to kind of play the company line of, it wasn't that bad guys, you know, like there, I feel like you got to kind of pick and choose. And I know that, you know, what we've seen and what we've heard, it was pretty bad. Mm hmm. You know, like, regardless of the stories of who says what, it was a pretty bad airplane ride. Um, so that, it, the jumping point from there, I guess. You know what I mean?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it, this is where the first time that Jim Ross feels, feels he has to get involved because he's been compelled to by one of the flight attendants. Hey, you got two guys fighting in front of the emergency exit. So JR goes back and... Hey what the hell guys cut it out, you know, breaks them up at this point in time, you know it it that's only the sad thing is this is only the 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 tip of the iceberg when that happened and and I'm thinking to myself, you know, here's a guy that because every time Jim Ross talks about this, he's talked about it on his podcast quite a bit there's there's a tremendous amount of regret and and almost like remorse that he echoes when he's talking about it. and every time he mentioned it up to this airing. I was like, why is he so upset about it? Like, it's a miserable experience, sure, but everything that we've ever heard, at least that I can recall, was that it was just something that they joked about. And then, of course, you know, we hear more and more throughout this episode, and it's like, oh, geez, no wonder. But why does Jim Ross have to be the guy that takes the bullet for the company?
1: Because he was probably the highest-ranking person on the flight, if you want to be honest. Like, if you look at it, who is probably the representative of the company on the flight? You know, at this point, Michael Hayes was a backstage guy, but he doesn't have, you know. Mm -hmm. If Vince is on the flight, is Vince going to handle it or is Vince going to send somebody else to handle it? You know, Vince is probably up in a different seat somewhere with Linda with his earmuffs on, passed out with a gin and tonic, um, if he's there. Mm -hmm. but um, at the time, was he the VP of talent relations or had he been that or was he, you know,
0: at the time he was at that time. He is the person in charge of talent relations. So I tend to think that probably coachman is on the level saying that Vince wasn't there. We don't know, but coachman is pretty insistent that he wasn't there. Brian. I mean, is Jim Ross the guy that should take the bullet, or is should this have been spread around a little bit more evenly?
2: Well, who are you going to spread it to? That's a
0: great question. I don't know. I don't know. It just Let seems mean, like. If, a, go ahead.
2: Like, I mean, if you're the head of the, a company mm-hmm. and the person on the plane. Is a, a high-ranking official? Unless I go on, what do you what do you expect to do to him? It's his job to keep them in line. What do you expect to do to him? I, I, just asking you.
0: No, I mean, and that's that's a tough situation because one, I don't know what their structure was at the time. I mean, we only know now because of their corporate calls. Um, but at that time, I mean, I think it was John Laurinaitis. It was. Uh, J.J. Uh, JJ Dillon, no, Dillon was not there anymore. I'm sorry. Maybe Bruce Pritchard, and I—I I don't know anyone else from that inner circle.
2: Any of their names?
0: So but maybe you're are
2: right. they on the plane?
0: Uh, no. I mean, I, to the best of my recollection, you're, no.
2: You're the the owner of a company. Yeah. Rob is a senior, uh, person in your. Uh, employee, mm-hmm. hey, ride this plane back with them, with twenty other employees who then proceeded to do what they did. Who are you going to hold responsible?
0: I guess in that regard, you don't really have a, ch- a choice. You really have to hold the one guy that that should have, quote unquote, been able to corral
2: his troops. Sorry, Rob, but you're fired. I'm just I'm, letting you know. That's HR a tough deal.
0: So, I mean, but, when you I think that's Yeah, go ahead.
1: Uh, I think that's why, you know, everybody, you know, JR had to take the brunt is because at the time and the place, he was the company. He was representing the company. Mm-hmm. You know? And you see it all the time where you know they have people that oh, who is, who's 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 going to take care of this person? You know, who's going to be the person in charge? I'll be I'm that person, you know. Um and could they have foreseen what was going to happen? No. Um, could should the, you know, it's one of those things. You know, hindsight being what it was, they should have probably kept the liquor carts locked up until they were at fourteen thousand feet. You know. <laughs> But,
0: well, they they tried to they tried to get, lock them down, but apparently the guys decided that they're going to walk around and grab the liquor cart and pour their own alcohol. according according to the story. I mean, and, and
1: that's the thing. Like, it's just, it is a multitude of bad things going on, and. Do, do I do I feel like it's Jr.'s fault and he should take the brunt? No, because those are adults, you know. Right now, as a representative of the company, as the point person, yeah. that was that that's on him. You know, you know what I'm saying. But as a an adult, hey, you know what? At some point. You can't hold other... You can't control other people. They all get to that point where you just gotta be like, you know what? I tried. They're not listening. Whatever.
2: Yeah, but... Um, I mean, this isn't like tearing up a hotel room. Though. <laughs> it's just an airplane right. at yeah. 30,000 feet.
0: I mean, some of the, uh, the cleanup that was required at the end of this flight... Needles. Hypodermic needles are found. Blood. Vomit. Food, drink, all over this airplane. Broken chairs from where – or broken, uh, uh, I guess, seats, airline seats from where Hennig and uh, Brock were fighting. I mean, this isn't just throwing a TV over, out a window. Thank God they didn't throw anything out a window. But, <laughs> I mean, I gotta well, agree with you. I mean, no, that's part. what I'm saying.
1: Like, yeah. more could have been – you know, we all say in hindsight, you know, more – JR or someone could have done more to be like, dude, y'all need to calm down. Right, you know,
0: but I the mean, are you going to gonna tell Brock Lesnar and Kurt Hennig, "Hey, it's time to separate you two. You sit over here, and you sit on this well, side." And you you also
1: got to think at that point the liquor is already flowing. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, so you could be like, "Hey, sit down," and inebriated people are inebriated people,
0: but then, you know. So, in this in this conversation in this this episode, we get unique perspectives we get a perspective from like i said earlier just incredible we also get the perspective from mike Kyoto. former senior official for wwe it's interesting because Kyoto gives us kind of some insight on the michael hayes ponytail incident which the funniest part of this whole show was that that's really the only in my opinion funny thing that happened even though I get why it upset him. I mean, obviously, it's his hair. You can't. But you can grow it back most times. I can't. But he tells the story of X-Pac basically being told, "Hey, Hayes is is out cold." And I guess Michael Hayes had kind of uh, put X-Pac down, according to the way they described uh, his behavior when he's talking about X-Pac on in backstage or in a uh, in creative meetings. So as a form of revenge in a a rib, he goes over and snips Michael Hayes' ponytail off. And then then that kind of drops off the radar because the next thing you know, it's Tony Schiavone's famous story that's now being amped up to 25 because now Ric Flair is in his robe, and only his robe, supposedly. Uh, accosting this flight attendant and, you know, being Ric Flair, as they describe it, as many people described it during that episode. It was interesting that so many, including Rob Van Dam, including Justin Credible, uh, described it as just being Ric Flair. Because you don't really get the entirety at the beginning of that when they start telling what he's doing. You don't get the entire layout of, of what they claim happened. There's a whole lawsuit that's, atti- that's attached to this, and, and we'll talk about it briefly here in a moment. But Brian, I mean, when we heard that story about Charlotte, right? When we're in Charlotte, North Carolina, we, we hear from Tony Schiavone about how Ric Flair used to do that with his robe. I mean, at one point, it was kind of—it uh, seems like a story of a guy that's just flashing people as a joke. I mean, would would you agree? That's that's how that was initially laid out when we first heard that story.
2: Uh, I'm I'm tapping out of that question. <laughs>
0: yeah, I can understand that. I mean, it's a, it, that's what we're that told, question. you know. And Shivani chuckles at it when he tells it to people. Although uh, now looking at it, I'd have to say that when he chuckled, I wondered if it was an uncomfortable laugh. I don't know. I don't know. And these are the kinds of questions you start asking because now after the fact everything's a uh, everything's suspect. Um but the reality is this you know this happens and it apparently made the the flight attendant extremely uncomfortable and she felt assaulted and she went to court and she's filed a lawsuit. And and all of this happens. Tommy Dreamer is providing almost a narration, although he kind of says that he wasn't really, he didn't see it. Isn't that the impression that kind of gave Brian, that, that he kind of doesn't doesn't put himself there, although he's somehow narrating
2: it? I mean, I didn't, I just listened to what he said. I didn't read into it any.
0: It was interesting because we're, we're, listening to what he describes and he's like well you know if she takes offense to it and and, and he just starts laying it out the way he did and all of a sudden as soon as this this starts getting to that point now everybody's like and then we hear about terry runnels talking about how you know her and dustin had only recently separated and now dustin is on the microphone singing apparently really bad karaoke um i mean up until the flight attendant we'll we'll put that in a a side chamber here everything else happening during this flight i mean yeah it's super uncomfortable and definitely not good but it seems like a locker room full of really poorly behaved athletes
1: well i think you you have you know we've all heard the stories of the Mm -hmm. ribbon and the 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 stuff that they would do um I just think it's an example of adults with liquor and a lot of time on their hands when they're not used to having a lot of time on their hands.
0: Um, and a lot of bad decisions.
1: And bad decisions. And, I mean, it doesn't downplay the seriousness of some of the allegations, and, and nor should they. Um, right. You know, it, it shouldn't matter what, status or position people have in society or in life you know they all should be treated the same um everybody has the same rights and privileges as everybody else Mm -hmm. um and has the right to go to work and not feel the way they feel you know um but um but i get you like i get what you know what people have said and um It will always be the flight with the flight that will live in infamy, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. It's, you know, because until you actually sit down and talk to a lot of the guys that were there and most of the people that are on the plane have done what? They don't say shit about it.
0: That's the thing I was I noticed. The guys you know? that, the, the people outside, and including Flair, who doesn't say a damn thing, hasn't said anything about it, um, which is probably smart. Not that I want him to be not held accountable or whatever. Again, slippery slope. But the truth of the matter is, if he says anything, to me, it's it just puts him further down in the rabbit hole. But, like, Jericho was at the, with the company at this time and on this flight. Wasn't he?
1: I don't know. I mean... You got to think he would have one, had to have been, you know, the ones making the big deal are the ones who weren't in positions. You know, the ones that tell them stories, you know what right. I mean? Right. The ones that were probably the ones that were behaving the way, the way that they shouldn't have probably have a lot of remorse and are just kind of like, you know what? That's something we don't want to bring up. We don't want to bring it up. Like, just just move on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's programs like Dark Side of the Ring that go and grab a topic and bring it back up. And and in this day and time with the Me Too movement and all the other things, it, it could be relevant, you know, that it happened. Nobody really knew a whole lot about it. We still don't know, you know, because the, the people that were there are like I ain't saying nothing.
0: One thing that was was left out of this was the the infamous uh, story of Kurt Angle and Vince McMahon getting into it and apparently wrestling around on the plane. Did
2: I don't this think did that's. Not I don't think that's that plane. I think that's another plane.
0: That's a separate plane ride.
2: I think that's a separate plane ride because if that's really the. If that's that plane ride, then there's no doubt that Vince McMahon was on the plane, right?
0: Right, right. That's that's my my question because here's the thing: like looking at all of this, I mean, Angle has said nothing about this outside of that they were play fighting around, but he confirmed back in April that he was on the plane it happened. So that's the thing. Maybe that it is. I wonder if, perhaps, and and this is not a, I'm not trying to put down the guys over at Dark Side of the Ring. I think they do an excellent job. But I wonder if, in the time they're trying to do this episode, they reach out to all of these people, and then most of them are like, nope, I want nothing to do with it. I'm not saying anything. Like, noticeably absent, outside of his narration, Jericho gives no
2: reflection. I'm ordering you to come out here right now. Hmm. Apparently, Angle even said it on uh, Broken Skull. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, it's look. This there's no there's no getting around it. This plane ride, as infamous as it was, even when we heard about it back on whatever that that WWE quote unquote shoot show was, now it's even more because we find out. Oh wait, now there's like a lawsuit, and apparently there was some questionable stuff after the fact where this lawsuit's filed. The um. WWE settles they they pay out to the flight attendant and in doing so you know Tommy Dreamer makes some comments that you know is his opinion I don't think he was trying to paint anybody any specific way but it was definitely his opinion but the whole world just stops for a moment and the next thing we know Tommy Dreamer is suspended from Impact Wrestling Uh, and I find out uh, just shortly before we went on the air this evening that um he's suspended Indefinitely from Busted Open Radio. I mean, look, no one is saying it's okay to, uh, you know, okay the okay. actions that happen. It's a whole, like we just said it, a whole lot of crappy decisions, bad moves, and, and just things that are awful. But, all right, how, when when is enough enough? I mean, we're in the world of cancel culture. Everybody wants to see someone held accountable for something. I kind of sometimes agree with that, and sometimes I don't. I don't know. But in this situation, I wonder because... I mean, here's a guy that that seems like he's trying to be fair to both sides in the moment, and then it just comes off all wrong. Like, no, I don't know that there's anything he could have said that would have been like, "Yeah, he had a good point."
2: Mm, I, I mean, it, look at this—the subject you're talking about. So. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, it's, it's serious like business. A, there's no getting around it. Yeah. I mean, I think
1: sometimes, especially in, the, in this day and time, you know, you, you got to keep your opinions to yourself.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, if, I, I wonder mean, if it would have been wiser for him to not say anything.
1: Well, and all right. Was he saying it to say it or was he saying it to give us 15 minutes? You know, but I mean, it the fallout is worse because now he's tossed lost two revenues, you know, two. Two revenue streams, but mm-hmm. you know, um, well, this and- goes back to how times have changed and perception has changed, you know, like, yes, when this story broke years ago, and we we're all like, you know, we heard you heard about it and you heard the stories, you're like, oh wow, oh wow, well, it was a different culture and a different, you know, attitude. And for Dark Side of the Ring to bring it up now in this time, day and time, in this attitude, you had to have known there's going to be other fallout and other questions come up. That's why I feel like a lot of the guys that were on the flight were like, I ain't saying nothing.
0: Yeah. Well, there's any plus the, the story then versus now is completely different context Two completely, completely like different contextual settings. Um, because I remember the, didn't the WWE on their
1: network do a like? Remember that little cartoon thing, "Stories yes. from the Road."
0: Yes, Did, yes. Didn't they do one of those on this flight? Yeah, WWE Story Time does a parody of this flight. That's what that's what is befuddling to me because the entire time they've known, people have known exactly what happened. Like the guys that, that commented on this on the air now for Dark Side oh. of the Ring. Of course, they're not working there anymore, so they have friends there though. They have colleagues or, or, you know, whatever. But they're not under any kind of, that I am aware of, any kind of non, any kind of gag order or anything, so they're going to say what they're going to say.
1: But Maybe that's why the ones that were involved, the main ones in the flight, aren't saying nothing. Right. Because maybe the result of the lawsuit is they can't say nothing about it.
0: It is, it is interesting to see all of the... All of the the responses and the takes. Jim Cornette mentions it in his uh, podcast, and he talks about how the positioning of Tommy Dreamer's comments and the positioning of the flight, attendant, flight attendant's story when she's telling what happened really didn't do Tommy Dreamer any favors, and these people aren't shown interviews or footage beforehand. Not that that excuses it. It doesn't. But it didn't help. It didn't put them in a position where, you know, Tommy could make an educated statement rather than just off the cuff.
1: Again, I think time and culture and things have changed, you know. Yeah. And you got to see where you're at before you talk. You know, you like got to. And regardless of time and space, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how many years go by. Some things are just not okay.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. You know? And it's never okay to do that kind of action. And the reason I haven't tried to go into but so much depth is because, listen, all of these are still, even with a lawsuit out there, a lot of this is still allegations. We don't have confirmed fact outside of recollections of people who say they witnessed it, even though now... Like, John Coachman is consistently refuting this information coming out saying, nope, that's not what happened. Nope, Vince wasn't there. And Jonathan Coachman, I mean, does he, he doesn't have a dog in the fight. He's not getting money from WWE that I'm aware of outside of his normal royalty agreement for whatever's on the network. Well, is, he,
1: is
0: he? That's what
1: I say, you know. Like, as I keep, I, I'll bring up again. The ones who were there and the ones that keep getting mentioned aren't mm-hmm. saying anything.
0: Right, right.
1: So, will us as wrestling fans ever know the true story? I don't know. But you got to think this is one of those things that not only has been built up over time, but the facts have changed to fit the setting we're in. You know, the stories have changed, and we all know how stories get. Mm -hmm. You know, they start with something and then they end up with, is that even close to the truth? You know, Um, but I think Tommy Dreamer should have just not said nothing.
0: (laughs) I mean, all of us, all of us in, in similar similar lights would would probably err on the side of caution. Before we started this show, before we went on, Brian and I were talking about it, and Brian just said, hey, well, let's just make sure we're not, let's be aware, be cognizant of what we're going to be talking about. And he was absolutely right, because it's the type of situation where if you're not careful, you could come off as, oh, no, I think Flair was innocent. Or you could come off as, no, I think Tommy Dreamer shouldn't be penalized, or whatever. But the reality is, it's it's really, even then, it's only our opinion and not up for debate, because we don't really have a say in it. The, the right, episode I, that... That aired is it's damning all by itself. I don't think we need to do it any other favors. <laughs> nope.
1: And every comment that was made is, you know, that people have made on the episode or on the things and all that is, is theirs and let them mm-hmm. say what they say. And I'll stick with the facts of we may never know the true story. because Yeah. The facts have changed over time. The stories change over time. And uh, holy moly.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's. Uh, Dark Side of the Ring has done a tremendous job of giving us an inside look that we never, ever would have expected to have back in 1995, so to speak. You know, giving us a viewpoint that is was almost unheard of. And even in 2002, 2003, it still wasn't quite as accessible. It was there. There were shoot interviews and stuff like that. But the access to information just wasn't there. And plus, there wasn't enough access to other... Uh, parties involved I guess that would have provided you the clearance to even get this conversation aired much less broadcast worldwide
1: Well, and that goes back to the fact that you know in the days as we're getting to them and more and more people are not under contract Mm -hmm. and not under the whole oh my god I cannot make the machine mad at me you know um with with the fact that you know um people have opinions now and and those independent guys can do stories and you know you have people's um non-biased like i would say non-biased opinions but like ones that the, the the machine can't control does that make sense
0: Yeah, I mean, the fear of repercussion is less because you're not under that thumb.
2: Well,
1: and they're not controlling... Good night, love you. Love you too, Brian. Um, Oh, was I not muted?
0: No, sir. (laughs) Sorry.
1: Um, That's all good. Everybody knows you love them. Um, But that's what I'm saying, like... WWE no longer controls the narrative of what's Mm -hmm. being said and how it's being said. So things like dark side of the ring get more traction now because the guys can say what they feel and not what's been what the dialogue they've been given. Does that make sense? Sure. Like, I remember listening to Cornette's podcast when he when he had just done the table for three with Bischoff and can't remember the other person was it Hayes. Um, but he said they did six, seven, six to seven hours of conversations and talks and video for for a thirty minute to a forty minute segment.
0: That drives so you me think nuts. Of,
1: you know, so you, you think, like, Bischoff and Cornette, and I guess it was Michael Hayes or whoever was with, they were all in that room for six or seven hours. But what we got on the network is what they wanted us to get.
0: Which, by the way, you was know? not very inspiring, that's for sure.
1: Right. So now you have places like Dark Side of the Ring and these other places that you're actually getting the unfiltered opinion... Which sometimes is the truth, sometimes is the embellishment of their,
0: their... Version of the truth.
1: Version of the truth, right.
0: Yeah. Well, and in all this, all of this, there's even more parts of this that I wanted to make sure that we at least addressed. I mean, we find out that during this flight, Scott Hall is unconscious, and then we get, I guess, reintroduced as some fans are have been telling me at least that, hey, this is uh this is not a, a new story, but apparently H bomb or halcyons are getting dropped on uh different people and they're saying that this is what happened to Scott Hall, who in his in his stupor, wakes up and I guess, pulls one of the flight attendants. And the story is he basically says he he tries in a slovenly way to like hit on her. And it fails miserably. He passes back out. She somehow wrenches herself away from him. And th- then, of course, uh, Just Incredible tells the story of having to basically carry him to a wheelchair, put him in a wheelchair, wheel him over through customs, and basically claim he had a medical issue or something, and they let him go. Which is astounding to me that in this day and age or in that time that that could even happen because that's a post-9-11 type situation. So... How's that even possible? Um,
1: Private flight?
0: Maybe. I don't. I don't know how that would typically work. I know nothing about how customs works. I've I've not traveled overseas before. So, is that well, it depends a common on what thing? What customs
1: you're going through? I flew into Finland once and got to the customs thing, and there was a, a sign on the counter saying, "Customs was closed. If you have anything to declare, come back tomorrow." <laughs>
0: Great. <laughs> That's fabulous. <laughs> Hopefully there was I'm so nothing safe. important.
1: <laughs> I'm
0: so safe. Brian, when the topic of Halcyon's comes up, when, when we find out about H-bombs and, and all of this madness happening on the side of everything else, I mean, we, we talked about it briefly before we went on the air. Was this something that we were hearing about during shoot interviews before this point? Because I truly don't remember.
2: Mm, I don't know. Honestly. I don't know if I've ever heard that before or not. I know I've heard a lot since then. Yeah. Since, um, you know, Thursday. But I don't remember before then.
0: Very similar to the uh, Speaking Out movement. After this episode aired suddenly there was a story for every uh, 80s to 90s wrestler. Now we've got stories about... And I'm not saying they're false. I don't know. I'm saying that they just have started to gain some traction. And there's a, a shoot interview where Brutus Beefcake is is joking or laughing about, <laughs> apparently, the Rockers uh, doing this. H-bombing women. Um, and And that's just... Uh, God, um, that's horrifying to hear that that even is happening. But, and and it's not just that. It's, it's, there's all these other recollections that people suddenly have. And it's like, damn, we're... we're <laughs> it's going to sound like a dumb question. Were we just blind to this before? Or had we heard it and just thought it was never this extreme? I mean, I know that's not even a fair question to ask, but it's it's crazy to just see these, it just to read... And to, and to see these new details come to light.
2: Again, I don't remember hearing anything about H-Bomb before Thursday. Yeah.
0: yeah. I'm glad I'm not the only yeah. person that felt like that, because that was... I was completely in the dark, and I heard that. I was like, what the hell?
2: No, That's I'm not of... saying you didn't. I'm just saying I don't remember.
0: Yeah. What do you got,
1: think, Well, I mean, I I agree with what y'all are saying. Like, you know, we haven't heard anything, and that kind of thing doesn't mean it wasn't there. It's just, you know, it's one of those other things that are coming out of this thing that are like, okay, here's something else. And um, if it's true, I mean, I horrible but then again what's the truth you know
0: well, this is probably the first time in the in the run that dark side of the ring has had where i ever wondered man is there more to this story that we still haven't heard because god there's a lot of stuff that's being un- unfolded right here in front of us i mean the story about Flair in and of itself is you could jeez you could probably do an entire episode just on that which would be maybe a little extreme to tell that whole story in that in depth. But the truth of the matter is, I mean, there's so many things that happen and they get described in this video. And, I mean, we're all dads. We all have daughters. Um, Obviously, there is no desire to see any of that ever happen to not just our kids, but any female ever. No one would want to be put through that. There's not a question of that. That's why I said at the top of the program that we're not going into that kind of opinion but the bottom line here is that you know this is 2000 i i keep going and saying 2003 if i've got the year incorrect i apologize but it's either two or three it's almost 20 years isn't there a statute of, of of something of that effect since it's been it's happened could this thing still become like a legal issue
2: I don't know, um, I couldn't answer your question. It's a difficult question to ask, but Well no. The problem is part of it happens in foreign lands. You don't know there right. what they can do. Part of it's over the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean who handles the Atlantic Ocean? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't know. Wow. I don't fair. know who'd handle that. Uh,
1: it's just international like like you said, but it's also Statute limitations, and um, that is a that is a rabbit hole. I'm not going down.
2: Yeah, but I, I mean, the problem is with like there could be some obscure law,
0: mm-hmm.
2: or there may not be statute of limitations over the Atlantic Ocean. There, I mean, just because there's no like sea force handling stuff like that there are all types of crazy things written in there from old english old english law Mm -hmm. i mean the navy itself the u.s navy at one time was going by old um things that that you know navy the navy did in on wooden ships you know what i'm saying if you know like if you if you cross a certain parallel certain people are allowed to do you know like grow their beard out you know what i'm saying i mean there's all types of crazy old laws that you don't know if they're in effect or not
0: Mm
2: -hmm. well i remember reading just
1: recently which you brought it up brian i remember reading recently where one of these ships where it had an accident and they had some fatalities and then there were lawsuits. I remember that the captain of the boat and the owners of the boat were using some maritime law from 1800s that was still on the books to get the case moved and that they were not liable
2: for what happened. Yeah. I, so, I mean, my my uncle was a, a master chief in the Navy. Once he crossed to the parallel, he didn't have shave. Everybody else had to, but he didn't have to. I mean, the, the, the nobody really owns the ocean, so it's hard to say who would have mm-hmm. jurisdiction and what may or may not have been violated it, as far it, as statutes.
0: It's intriguing to me because after seeing this episode and now all of these uh, stories coming to light or being a new light shown on them... Um. That the I wonder about that. Have we seen the last of accountability for Tommy Dreamer? For example, he got suspended from two different jobs simply for stating an opinion which may or may not have been the right thing to say. That's not us. To, that's not for us to debate. The bottom line here is two jobs taken from him. Ric Flair, rumored was Ric Flair was going to be debuting in AEW sometime soon. To the best guess, I would say that's at least delayed until, quote-unquote, this dies down, if it does. Because I can't see that. I could see Tony Khan, because he's a pretty self-aware kind of guy. He stays plugged in, and we know how well he stays plugged in, because we're going to talk about it in a little bit. I could see him, honestly, just stepping away from that as he stepped away from other talents when they were... I won't say lumped in, but when they were named in the speaking out movement. It's probably the best way to do that. Um, but he he truly, he, he didn't want to put any disrespect to them, but he just wasn't going to put his company in that situation. And all well, of I mean, this...
1: They don't need them.
0: Right. Very true.
1: The AEW does not need Rick Flair right now. You know? So... If they had to take a break from him, or they walk away from him, and he doesn't get to debut, you know what? It is what it is.
0: It's a uh, don't want to don't want to beat a dead horse any further. I think it's already about uh, five feet in. So we'll just we'll just end it end this segment this way. Brian, final thoughts on this episode of Dark Side of the Ring?
2: Not touching it.
0: Okay. That's pretty definitive. I'll give you that. Rob, your final thoughts on this episode?
1: Uh, Brings a lot more questions.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my final thought on it is is just that I absolutely agree. More questions than answers, um, and I'm left wondering how much of what we heard versus how much is still coming out and where the truth meets in the middle. That's where where I'm left. Um, So we go from controversial to... uh, um, how big is this news I gotta wonder because this is a really cool thing that we found out this morning AEW All Elite Wrestling has come to an agreement with the Owen Hart Foundation and Martha Hart to bring us multiple pieces but basically we're gonna get a tournament entitled the Owen Cup as well as uh, action figures and merchandise and uh, Guys, the fan response to this has been overwhelmingly positive. Brian, what what does this do for AEW? What does this do for the hearts?
2: Mm, I, I don't know. I mean, to me, it's just a tournament in somebody's honor. I don't know what what it would do on some level. I mean, AEW does pretty good with what they do, so hopefully it'll bring some type of light to to Owen for those that missed him. Maybe, you know, maybe carries a legacy, I guess.
0: It's a great way to celebrate a beloved wrestling icon in Owen Hart. Um, you know, tragically he, he died during a WWE pay-per-view. Um, we've we've often been told on, on multiple points that Martha Hart would never allow for Owen to be in the WWE Hall of Fame basically because of her, her feelings on their role. Um, now we get an opportunity to celebrate Owen and his career the press release from All Elite Wrestling includes uh, that the tournament is going to be held annually with uh, each, each time the winner receiving a trophy called the Owen, which I think is super cool. Um, and also, we're getting a look now that Owen Hart will be included in AEW's video game, um, its console video game, and maybe even, maybe even in their uh, Mobile General Manager game, which, by the way, just recently came out with CM Punk onto their roster. Adam Cole is coming soon, and they're going to be start starting to do a season pass piece, which is apparently going to unlock all kinds of different things. Um, Rob, I'll ask you the same question. How big of a deal is this for AEW for uh, working with Owen Hart and the foundation?
1: Um, I mean, it gives people a chance to know Owen that haven't. You know, it, that wrestling fan, that may be wondering um, I kind of agree with the comment I saw online I mean there was going to be no way in hell that she was going to work with the WWE in any way shape or form um, so I mean it's it's good on the side of at least Owen's going to get known somewhere you know and people are going to see him and see you know it just be interesting to see that, you know, how many of Owen's matches can be seen that aren't part of the WWE library. You know, that's my only question.
0: Brian, does WWE still have the rights to Owen's um, matches, video?
2: I mean, I would think anything under... Any footage they currently own, they do. So from WCW to WWE to um, probably any number of other ones. when I mean, they own the rights, then I guess nobody else could put them out there till you know without their permission. I guess. There so was... you'd have to look at New Japan and... Um... Stampede, maybe? Uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure Stampede. Ben's own Stampede, yeah. Damn.
0: What doesn't that old man own? Jeez.
1: That's why he bought up, you know, when he bought places, he bought the libraries and he made deals. Because you think about, if he, he was in Calgary, he was in Stampede... You know, WWE was did did he wrestle in New Japan? He did. So I mean that would probably be one of the only libraries that Vince doesn't own. Besides any personal collection that they have, you know.
0: It's it's a great indication of just how in touch. With the fans that Tony Khan is, because fans have wanted to see Owen Hart celebrated honestly since his passing, and even before then, when, when so many fans felt that he could be WWE champion, um, it's one of those deals where you get you finally get an opportunity to 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 hear you know Owen Hart's name and not feel like oh god is is there going to be some reference to his death, or is it going to be a a horrible, hey, we hate WWE, it's just going to be in this situation, no, it's none of that, it's we get an opportunity to celebrate his career I'm sure that they're going to donate proceeds to the foundation Um, the fact that we get action figures, to me, is awesome I can't wait to see what Jazzwares does with the uh, Owen Hart figure itself, that's probably one of those that you don't take out of the package you don't let that one breathe
1: No, because you don't know how long the agreement's going to be for. Mm -hmm. You don't know how long the, you know, because, I mean, obviously there hasn't been a WWE Owen Hart figure since wasn't the blue blazer the last figure. You know,
0: shockingly Mm. enough, I believe you're right. Brian, do you have some insight there?
2: I, I mean, I would think at first. They might have been able to sneak another one out. I don't know if that would have been the last. It might have been. So I know it's sitting upstairs.
0: <laughs> yep, that's right. You have you have the last Owen Hart figure that was made. Mm. Not the, the actual last, yeah, very last one, little. but <laughs> the yeah. last the last release. We'll put it that mm. way. I'm just looking that up right now. I want to say it was the fully loaded set, and it was a Bone Crunching Action, the Jack Pacific one. Um, let's see here. I'm just looking it up. Oh, but there is a micro brawler by uh, that, that was released, and actually the proceeds of that micro brawler sales went to, went to the Owen Hart Foundation. It was a special release for the Owen Hart Foundation and Dark Side of the Ring. So there's a micro brawler out there. Do you have that one, Brian?
2: Mm-mm. Wow. I that never fooled nice. with micro brawlers. I don't think.
0: Ah, but they do come in that slam or that not it not slam crate. That pro wrestling tease crate.
2: Oh wait. Uh, yeah, then I would have it. I think. If it came in the crate, then yeah. Yeah, but. if it came in the crate, yes. <laughs> um, let me look continue continue hey or you too can me. you too
0: can check out the the amazing pictures that we have of the most recent edition of the slam crate you can catch it at c2c click on Brian's corner and you'll get hey this past release for the August crate Brian gave us a nice write-up with images that Brian probably the best images yet for this crate and that's that's as they say that's a shoot brother but that's the truth Great pictures of them. I mean, this one had the Brutus the Beefcake uh, uh, grooming kit, the critical botch graphic novel, which I can't wait to take a look at, um, the T-shirts of Mox, and uh, what's that other? The Genius, the great poem by the genius? I mean, mm-hmm. come on.
2: And uh, so the Owen Hart one is limited to 250
0: Holy cow.
2: And I don't have that one. That's uh looks like it's an actual like uh, individual sale on the uh, pro wrestling tees. So.
0: So there this is one of those situations where uh, hey if you if you run across that you definitely want to keep that in your collection that's definitely what you want to do but hey while you're over at c2c showcom maybe you should make sure you're checking in with your boys right here in the chat room um, during guys you know during last week's interview that we had with uh, Steven with wrestle deck uh, which by the way we will be getting some exclusive looks at the wrestle deck game as it continues production here in the coming months Um, I want to thank Steven again for coming on. But in that chat room, we actually had one of the co-creators of the game that was actually in there chatting that was going back and forth. And, you know, I I did want to publicly say to uh, Lunar Raid that we really appreciate him checking out the show. And maybe we'll get him on and get his take of what's going on with WrestleDeck soon. Who? Uh, The co-creator, the, the, what did he say? Brother-in-law, I believe. Of uh, Steven from WrestleDeck.
2: That would be cool. Yeah.
0: I look forward to seeing that game. I mean, the idea that you can really delve into a wrestling video game from kind of a different perspective. It'll be a nice change of pace. Gets us away from the, the supercard droves. Um, for the record, I'll, I'll put this out there. I don't know how long it'll be up, but Ric Flair did post a tweet. Just about uh, an hour ago, in his uh, official response to the Dark Side of the Ring episode, he says, Every person that I've worked with has said not to post a response, but I've never run from the past behaviors before, and I'm not going to start now. I want to clarify a few things. About four years ago, gave ESPN full access to my life for a 30 for 30 special. They covered taxes, financial issues, adultery, divorces, the passing of my child, and drinking and partying at length. Rory Kampf, desperate to matter for another 15 minutes, did an interview about it this morning. When Rory's lips are moving, he's typically lying. But one part of what he said was a God's honest truth. I've never heard that he had forced someone to touch his genitals, Kampf admitted. Everything that Rick has that was construed as negative, I tried to address in the 30 for 30, his drinking, his philandering, his adultery... His money problems, there's quite a bit, but never, at least in the people that I spoke to, no one ever brought up that he would force himself on somebody. I allowed my personal life and the lives of my wife and children to be turned upside down for one reason, whether it's good or bad, even the really bad, the truth has to matter and even in wrestling. That is the statement um, from Ric Flair. There's more to it. There's more to be said. He says, my issues have been well documented over my 40 plus year career. The impact of drinking too much, which nearly killed me five years ago. Has been told time and time again, and the reason Rory, or anyone else for that matter, never heard any of the stories from me, force myself on anyone, is simple. It never happened. Again, that's uh, Ric Flair's statement on Twitter that was posted about an hour ago. Uh, Already seeing over 2,000 likes, over 300 quotes and 300 retweets. Uh, That'll probably be filling any (laughs) news site that you see for the next few days. Just be aware. Well, gentlemen, the Owen Hart Cup, the Owen Hart Foundation working with AEW, I think, is great news. I'm looking forward to that. There's still more to come from that. We will hear more details. Sports Illustrated did a great write-up on it. Um, and, of course, we look forward to seeing what happens on Dynamite and Rampage, including including the Grand Slam which is going to be airing from the Arthur Ashe Stadium this coming Wednesday. It's been talked about for so long, Brian. I I didn't realize it was just around the corner, and it's officially sold out. We get to see Adam Cole, CM Punk in action, who apparently is going to be taking on Will Hobbs, uh, and Daniel – nope, 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 don't go. Nope, Brian Danielson. There we go. Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega in a non-title match say that again because i i I say it with a question mark for a reason a non-title match but could very well be match of the year brian omega and brian danielson i mean six months ago you'd have never thought this was going to happen
2: i mean two months ago i don't think i would have thought it would happen you know what i'm saying um i mean it has potential Mm -hmm. there's a lot of potential however you know if you go into it expecting something and you don't get it you know yeah you know what i'm saying (laughs) Uh, all right
0: you can't shout fire to theater and run away brian what are you talking about
2: well, I mean, if you expect it to be a five-star and it doesn't live up to your expectations. Ah.
0: So you're not talking about the crazy rumors that people are talking about that uh, going into this, are you?
2: I have no clue what you're talking about. Enlighten me. Maybe we can talk about these crazy rumors.
0: Crazy rumor going around that regardless of how this match ends, and being it that it's a non-title match, I'm inclined to think that it ends with the Daniel. It God. Damn, that's going to be hard to get out of the habit. Brian Danielson <laughs> victory, most likely by submission. Uh, that Adam Page will be there at the end of this to confront Kenny Omega. That is the going rumor. Now, all of this is... This is the, the most exciting time of wrestling ever because now wrestling rumors, you can just sit here and pontificate as if it's actually going to matter, and it could actually happen. I mean... What do you think? Adam Page, does he confront Kenny Omega? Do we finally get it, or is it going to get a little further along?
2: Um, I mean, I think you'll probably get it, and you'll get the start of you know, a couple months worth of um, storytelling. You know, kind of what they're pretty good at. So, I don't think it'll take place until, what, after the year? So, that'll be, what, February? No. Yeah, hopefully they skip November.
0: And they won in November? Full gear coming up in, it's either October or November. I'll, I'll look it up here right now.
2: Yeah, I think it's um, November.
0: look that up right now. While I'm looking that up, Rob, so. your, your thoughts on potential between uh, Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega? I mean, I think it's going to be a
1: great match. I mean, I think it's going to. It's going to live up to the hype. I mean, do I think it has a finish? No, because there's so many other storylines going on. You know, you have the underlying storyline with Kenny Omega. And like you said, Adam Page. um, Is he done with Cage yet? Christian Cage, you know, like there's so many things there that I just don't see the elite letting Ron Danielson come down and have a clean match, like a clean finish, you know. But it's going to be a great match. I mean, the whole card is looking awesome from start to finish.
0: And as we get closer and closer to it, I I can't wait. I think Wednesday is must-see television right now. AEW's Full Gear comes out, Brian, Saturday, November 6th. And it's uh, a week before it was initially booked. Apparently, there was a, an issue um, with the NBA
2: playoffs, I think. Or, what I was think it? it's uh, UFC or something. And I thought it got pushed back a week. Did they go forward a week?
0: No, they went back a week from the initial booking. Um, yeah. Basically, Tony Khan said it in his media scrum after uh, All Out that you know he he wanted to honor the commitment, but he also wanted to make sure that it wasn't too far off from the initial date. So, um, yeah, it's funny they're showing a uh, demolition cross. I mean, carrying cross on Raw like a, a vignette for him. And I just read the other day that it house shows. You know who's who's been wrestling against him?
2: Hmm, hold on, you were talking Raw.
0: Yep, demolition cross. Mm, the Viking Raider. <laughs> Jeff Hardy. And guess who's really been Jeff Hardy. <laughs> yes. So you got this guy who used to be your NXT champion. He was the top of the heap. And now he's losing to Jeff Hardy. Not that Jeff Hardy isn't a legend because he is. But yeah. it just goes to show. Sorry, little comic relief. I had to throw it in there. Mm,
2: that's mm. not comic relief. It's funny That's to me. bad booking.
0: Oh, it's definitely, what is it? Uh, it's a stupid idea from bad creative. Thank you, Chris Jericho.
2: I, I wouldn't
1: even call it creative anymore. It's just, hey, we thought of something and we just stuck with it.
0: Pulling up the uh, card for Grand Slam, I feel it's uh, appropriate for us to, to do some predictions. We haven't done this in a while. I like doing predictions every now and
1: again. So what did y'all think of uh, Ruby Soho and Britt Baker's back and forth? On Rampage.
2: As far as, like, um, the, what, the in-ring segment you're talking yeah. about? Um, I mean, I think both of them need work as far as, a, uh, you know, cutting a promo, whatever you want to call it, but I guess, uh, you know, Ruby... Probably hasn't done it in so long. She might be a little rusty. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I like Brit, but sometimes she kind of plays the middle too much, too. She just needs to be the main heel and mm-hmm. rock it out.
0: Yeah, she seems sometimes like she's hesitant to, the, to just be the jerk. You know what I mean? Just be the bad yeah. guy. Embrace it. Let them hate you. Yeah.
2: She, paint, to me, she panders the crowd a little too much, but. I liked when she was like,
1: I was, this is the first time I'm allowed to be real. Long time. Mm-hmm. And Britt's like, that's because you got fired.
0: Oh, I mean. And then the...
1: she's like, oh, this is like every other woman I wrestled. They're, they're overrated and they're sleeping with, they're banging somebody in the back. <laughs>
0: Holy cow! Those are the kinds of comments that uh, I mean they they do make for entertaining TV. But I, I would say that that I'm I'm hopeful that this matchup is as good as it could be because both of these ladies are are tremendous.
2: Yeah. Well, I don't think you'll have a problem with the in ring. I think uh, they're just both. Um... A little stunted with the uh, mic skills at the moment. Because again, Britt should be, you know, just a heel,
1: mm-hmm.
2: not pandering with the DMD stuff. I mean, she can do it, but it's, you know, she's just popping the crowd. Mm-hmm. And if you're a heel, you, I mean, why is she really just popping the crowd to pop the crowd? Yeah. I'm
1: also trying to figure out whether Tony Cavani is going to come into play.
0: <laughs> yeah, the uh, interaction between him and Adam Cole, where Adam Cole tells him to shut up, nerd. I was like,
1: jeez. <laughs> well, then he's like, I'm just friends. You can be friends with a female that you work with. We're just friends.
0: I have enjoyed Tony's interaction with Britt Baker, but I don't know that he needs to be too much more of part of that story even though it is it is
2: kind of funny i mean you can't really take it away from that. if you can't see what's coming down the tracks you haven't been paying attention
0: all right hit me up with it because now now i got to hear it what do you got because this i want to hear
2: i mean it, who, whose son just got beat up not too long
0: ago oh that's right Oh my God. Adam, are you saying Adam Cole against Tony Shavani's kid?
2: Somewhere down the line because Adam Cole's going to grab a hold of Tony. And then guess who's going to hop the rail to make the save? Oh my gosh.
0: I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I mean, hopefully. I mean, because it, it sounded like, if I remember correctly, when Tony Schiavone, when, when it happened with his kid the first time, he had just started. Excuse me, I have the hiccups. He just started training, so hopefully, it's it's a quick one. But no, I honestly, I that I did not think of Shivani, his junior Shivani, I guess is what I'll call him because I can't remember his first name. uh, Is is against Adam Cole? That just makes sense. I just never thought
2: of it. Yeah, this has the markings all over it. We're going to introduce him. You're going to forget all about them In six months, a year, Adam Cole's going to grab dad. Guess who's there to make the save? Yay. Oh, my gosh.
0: Hopefully that uh, is filmed on, on dark and we don't have to suffer through it But so much.
2: <laughs> I mean, I'm sure well, Adam yeah, Cole will
0: make it entertaining.
2: It may not be that bad. I mean, just because the kid's starting out. It doesn't mean that he can't turn out to. It could be just be like uh,
0: Fuego del Sol's uh, title shot for, for versus the Car, right? <laughs> yeah,
2: that's a little bit different.
0: But. Hey, but you, who who predicted that that was at least going to happen? I didn't get the winner right, but who predicted it was going to happen? That's right, I did. I don't remember. I that. did predict he'd get a title shot, but I said he'd win. I said he'd be the guy ultimately that would beat Miro. I was clearly on drugs when I said that. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, I, I it's did. Okay. I did notice that uh, Miro basically killed him. <laughs> he kicks him sure, yeah. four times in the face, and then after he wins, he bends him like a pretzel, where his head touches
2: his feet. But he should. I mean, that's, that's oh, yeah, yeah, what yeah. should happen? Yeah, you know. I, I understand the underdog, the major underdog. I get it. However, it's played out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it got played out because back in the day they were doing it too often mm-hmm. with another uh, luchador
0: yeah, another
2: American TV
0: similarly sized uh, Luchador yes. versus everybody else. Yeah,
2: who was beaten? yeah, Paul White. You know, yeah, I mean that's what you have a a, a a cruiserweight division for. Did it? Did it finally make great TV? Yes. When he won the title, yes, great. However, comma, he shouldn't be beating your seven-foot-tall Giants. Yeah. You know? uh uh-huh, Fuego shouldn't beat Miro, especially now. I'm not saying somewhere down the line, right? Because it, it, that, that just, I mean, it'll make for great TV, but there should be outside interference. <laughs> I mean, there should be a lot of moving parts in a match like that if he's going to win. Well, one thing I am excited about is to
0: see what happens between Miro and Sammy Guevara, because the groundwork has now been laid. And you know what? If if Sammy is the guy that beats Miro, even though he's not exactly a lot bigger than Fuego, um, yeah, I could keep behind that. I like Sammy Guevara. I like what he's doing right now.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, it, I think it may happen. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily want to see it happen. That makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Apparently, there's there's big plans for Sammy on the horizon. Uh, I, I guess Tony Khan's a big fan. Really likes what he's doing and feels like he's generating a lot of response. One thing I've noticed is that it, Tony Khan knows what what drives not just his audience but his talent. You can tell by the way he he puts a show together. He really does know it. Good old TK. Well you heard you heard Miro, he said. He only count
1: he only works He only worries about the god above and his wife below. <laughs> Jesus Miro, 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 Miro. And old Del Sol doesn't have any kneecaps anymore after last week. Oh
0: that was nasty.
1: <laughs> Put your car keys in your mouth and then we're gonna rip you back.
0: <laughs> It was pretty disgusting um so like i said grand slam it is a two night extravaganza wednesday and friday we've got a lot of matches here so we'll start with what's coming up wednesday we got sting and darby allen taking on ftr with tully blanchard in their corner guys uh brian let's start with you who do you got for
2: this match ftr no no no, no. let me refer. let me let me back out of that one let me back out of that one. Um, no FTR. I'm gonna stick with FTR. I'm gonna go with my guns.
0: I gotta say, I, I I'm, I'm leaning that way too. I'm gonna say FTR also, but I think it's because they, uh, I think Tully hits us, hit gets involved. We'll put it that way. Rob, Rob what do you think? Who, who's winning this one?
1: I feel that. Uh... It's going to be FTR.
0: Wow. We all agree that it's going to be FTR. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Okay. Let's see how we all stack up on this next one. It's for the women's AEW championship. Ruby Soho challenging Britt Baker DMD. Rob, who do you got?
1: Uh, Ruby Soho by desk qualification.
0: Oh, the rare mm. DQ finish. Interesting, interesting, Brian.
2: Mm. So, I think Britt wins, but then there's a big six-person melee afterwards.
0: Ah, okay. So, the uh, Cat, uh, Statlander, Ruby Solo... No. Oh, okay. Hit me with it. What do you think?
2: I think it's the other two waiting in the wings. Formerly known as
0: Billy Kay. ah uh-huh. Rose. Brian's predicting the inspiration. I like it. I like it. I, I have a feeling that Ruby Soho is going to win this. I think she's going to win the title. Although, I do like your prediction there on the... Uh, on the inspiration. Apparently the inspiration, by the way, releasing a single that they did with, uh, another performer. I, I didn't know that they could sing. Yeah.
2: I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I think it, I think it turns into a six person or six women brawl out there.
0: For those of you, uh, watching raw at home, uh, Rhea Ripley and, Nikki A.S.H. have just won the Raw Women's Tag excuse me not Raw Women's Tag the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship wow no. and <laughs> Rhea Ripley and Nikki A.S.H. almost a superhero moving back into the card for AEW Dynamite Brian Pillman Jr. taking on MJF Oh. Uh, yeah, MJF. Sorry. I like Brian Pillman Jr. I think he's got a bright, bright future, but this is MJF written all over it. Uh, Brian, what do you got?
2: Mm, I guess I'm uh, uh, Go to go to Rob.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Brian's undecided at the moment. Rob, yeah, what do you think? I'm
2: undecided.
0: MJF. MJF. In a
1: really, like, heelish way he'll win. To the point where somebody will come out that will be MJF's next big run. Mm. Like, I mean, I don't know if he and Jericho have anything left, but.
0: I don't know. I mean, MJF has been, you know, teasing for a while this uh, dissension between him and Wardlow. Although it would be nice if they would just let the pinnacle be the pinnacle for a while. Brian, it's it, it's your turn, man. Who who do you got? What
2: do you think? I d- I don't want to say it. Oh no! I just don't.
0: You're gonna say? I don't want to
2: say it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna say it.
0: <laughs> Go I ahead, put it you. out there. Put it out there, buddy. I don't want to. Take the Take Pillman.
2: Pilman. Okay. And mm-hmm. why is because there is um, somewhat dissension between MJF and Wardlow. Mm-hmm. I think the pinnacle is pretty much broken apart without breaking apart. I think it's, you know, FTR, Spears, and Blanchard, MJF, and Wardlow are kind of just, like, out there. Mm-hmm. And the way MJF has been acting towards Wardlow. And if Pillman wins, it makes him a bigger star than what he is now, and it doesn't hurt MJF if Wardlow is what it costs the match. Right.
0: Very true. Very true. Comes out smelling like a rose no matter what, I think. Um, This next one is intriguing. We'll start with Rob. It's, It's Cody Rhodes and Malachi Black. Cody's coming back after a brief absence after getting his butt kicked the first time. What do you think, Rob?
1: Uh, Malachi Black. Mm, Malachi I mean, Cody Black. comes back, but Cody does not triumph yet.
0: Brian, who do you got? Black. Short and to Jeremy? the point. He says black. (laughs) Yeah, I I gotta agree. I'm I'm concerned because every other time that this kind of thing has been laid out, Cody has beaten the person that quote unquote put him out. Um, I think it would be a huge mistake if that happened. I'm I'm picking Malachi Black with with honest fear that they will have him lose to Cody. I just don't think that would do anybody any favors. CM Punk scheduled for an interview 48 hours before his first televised TV match uh, in seven years, over seven years.
2: Nobody cares.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think it's time Everything to just keep it moving. Let been him wrestle. The first
2: time in seven. Yeah, well, no. Yeah, I mean, this is like legitimately the first time we've done a prediction show that you've brought up in the interview segment.
0: Uh, well, you know why? Because I'm scrolling and it's the next image of K pop. Oh, my bad. My bad, no, guys.
2: Yeah, it's because of CM Punk. All right, fine. It's because it's CM Punk. Right, it's it's CM, CM Punk. Punk's
1: going to take a shit in this stadium in New York <laughs> in seven years. Welcome
0: back. Welcome back. <laughs> uh, non title. shit. A... <laughs> oh. Non title match. Brian Danielson takes on Kenny Omega. Um, Brian, lead us off. Why?
2: you do it. You lead us off. You always make me and Rob do it. You do it.
0: All right, I'll go first. I think that this is going to be and, a barn birder match, but I don't think it's going to have a finish. I think it's going to go a time limit draw, probably 30 minutes. Ooh. And I see the elite or the, the super click, as Adam Cole calls them, <laughs> comes to the ring. I think they try to beat the tar out of Daniel Danielson. Almost did it. Almost did it again. Damn it. Um, and I think that's where we finally get the return of Adam Page to save the day and uh, hopefully start building towards towards his, his title match with Kenny Omega. Although, I'm inclined to agree with Brian that it may still take a little bit longer.
2: Boy, so I'm not saying, like, I'm just saying it'll drag out. I'm not saying that it won't start. Mm-hmm. I just think it'll drag out uh, past the, what would you say the next one was?
0: Because past Full Gear into Revolution would be the next one after that in February.
2: No, yeah, yeah. Whatever the February is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it, I think it's going to carry into that. There's a lot of pieces at play. Yeah. You know, with Christian Cage and, you know, the guy in the Barney suit. And, um, <laughs> what? What? Jungle Boy, Danielson, Kazarian, Page, you know, if he shows up. But there's a chance he goes back to the
0: elite.
2: Wow. Is that your prediction? Yeah, only to turn on somewhere down the road.
0: Oh, my. (laughs) Can you imagine the internet exploding if Adam Page turns and joins the elite on Wednesday? That would be nuts.
2: Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think Danielson's going to win the match, especially if it's non-title,
0: mm-hmm.
2: which will then force into November where he'll get his title shot. Hmm. With shenanigans.
0: With, not, you didn't say shenanigans. Don't, one more person says shenanigans. Rob, it's Brian Danielson, it's Kenny Omega. Who do you got?
1: I go back to what I said at the beginning. I say there's no finish because of Tom Foolery. Ah, I like it. Tom leads Fuller. me into the next pay-per-view, which they haven't announced matches yet, which could be their version of war games with mm-hmm.
0: the elite blood and
1: guts, blood and guts. With their the elite versus Brian Danielson, Adam Page, Kristen Cage, Lucha Boy and Jungle Source or Jungle Boy or Lucha <laughs>
0: Boy. Or Lucha Boy and Jungle Source. I like that. <laughs> I need to isolate that and then play that back. <laughs> That's awesome. Lucha boy. <laughs> I think, and I mean, then, yeah.
1: And then after Brian Danielson's team is victorious, he gets his title shot at the February pay-per-view of Browns. So like, or more or further. Down, I don't know.
0: Then we go on to rampage, which by the way, first time, two hours, 10-12, to 12. we got a stacked card on Rampage. Men of the Year with Dan Lambert taking on Jericho and Jake Hager. Um, Brian, what, what do you pick for this one? Men of the Year. Yeah, I, you know, I'm kind of leaning that way too. I, I feel like that, you know what? You gotta, it's it's that time. Rob, I don't want to do this, but I have to do it. Brian was right. Brian was right. You got to let by guns. You know what, at All Out, that segment happened and both both of us were like, eh, what the hell, this is dumb. And Dan Lambert's out there with Men of the Year and these other guys, and other guys, like they're not major UFC stars. Anyway, all I'm saying is, we were like, it sucks. But Brian, you were right. It was building. And it may not be done yet. not
2: done. It's not done. Because <laughs> now he's added females. Right. So it's not done. And one more UFC fighter, or whatever. Uh, and then...
0: Whatever, <laughs> no,
2: whatever group he is.
0: America's top team, or I think that's, yeah, what that's
2: it. yeah, whatever. Whatever, man.
0: Rob, who do you got? Men of the Year, Jericho and Hager.
2: Well,
1: if Jericho and Hager beat them, then it kind of totally... it totally just does away with the whole reason you brought in the men of whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, you got to go with them. Hager and, and Jericho have will lose nothing because Jericho is basically booking by the day right now.
0: Yeah, I got to agree. I, I feel like uh, Jericho right now is um, just taking, taking it and making the best of everything until he decides that he wants to be done. And plus, it would just really not make any sense if you built and built and built to this and then just have them lose their first major challenge. Six-man tag action, Trio's title. Excuse me, Trio's match action, excuse me. Adam Cole and the Young Bucks against Christian Cage and the Jurassic Express. That's right, it's Lucha Boy and Jungle Saurus, Brian. And... uh, I'm going to go ahead and say I think it's uh, the super click that wins this one. I think it's Adam Cole and the Young Bucks. Rob, what do you got?
1: Adam Cole and the Young Bucks. You're not going to have Adam Cole come back the first time and have him lose.
0: Cole, by the way, had an outstanding match with Frankie Kazarian this past week. Um, Yes. God, what a huge loss, a huge ball drop by uh, WWE to let that guy go. Um, Brian, who do you got for this one?
2: um mm, the winner? No, I'm kidding. Um, it's, uh, I mean, you know, if you got to ask me what I think going to win this, you haven't been paying attention to what I say for the last three years. Of course it's the elite. Of course. Baby. Don't ask me stupid questions like that again.
0: How cool, by the way, is Adam Cole's new music?
2: It's Adam Cole. Baby. baby! It's elite. See? Even Rob knows. Stop <laughs> asking me foolish questions.
0: Anna Jay's taking on Penelope Wait. Ford.
2: Whoa, what? What? Huh?
0: What? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Anna Jay taking on Penelope Adam Ford.
2: Cole. I mean, right. Baby. There you go.
0: I think See, it's a, Anna Jay. Are, like wins.
2: puppets on a string right now.
0: What I'm kind sorry. of string?
2: Y'all are, are almost into the
1: elite. Anna Jay taking on who?
0: Penelope Ford.
1: Penelope Ford.
0: Wow. Okay. That could be interesting, though, because if they continue to further the feud between um, Anna and Ty Conti against the Bonnie and Penelope Ford, that could be interesting. Rob picks Penelope Ford. I'm going to say Anna J. Brian, what do you got? Anna J. Anna J. Anna. Anna, Anna. <laughs> I hope they start doing that soon I really did notice on uh, Being the Elite today where Alex Reynolds Is back so slowly but surely they're moving Back towards our favorite segments Of BTE We got a uh, eight man tag With the Lucha Brothers and Santana And Ortiz against Private Party and the Butcher And the Blade I think this is going to steal the show I think this is going to be a tremendous matchup uh, Brian who you got for this
2: uh, the good guys. The Lucha <laughs> brothers. And, uh, what's it? <laughs> proud and powerful. What God, I hate Ortiz. that tag name. <laughs> <laughs> We're
0: so proud I'm and powerful. Ortiz. It just sounds so wussy like that. I'm proud and powerful.
2: Maybe we'll get Andrade out there,
0: though. Ooh.
2: No, 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 because no, he's got that match. Did he have a match? Not yet. Not yet. Um, Not yet. Yeah, maybe we'll maybe we'll
0: get him to come out. Rob, do you got the uh, HFO, the Hardy Family Office, or do you got uh, Santana and Ortiz and the Lucha Bros?
1: Santana, Ortiz, and the Lucha Bros.
0: I think that's going to be a great match. I think it's going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be Santana and Ortiz and the Lucha Bros. But I also think there'll be some friction at the end, having a tag title match build up towards uh, full gear for. Santana and Ortiz against the Lucha Brothers. I'm not calling them that other name. That's just a stupid name. Proud and powerful. That's a bad idea from Bad Creative. Eddie Kingston and John Moxley. Everything
1: is great. Yeah, right. Can't
0: can't always be home runs. Kingston and Moxley against Minoru Suzuki and Lance Archer in a lights-out match. Uh, Ooh. This could be really entertaining. I don't know where I want to go with this except to say... um, well, I'll, I'll just say Suzuki and Archer by Brian's favorite phrase, shenanigans.
2: You're not allowed to use shenanigans.
0: I just use shenanigans. That's that yeah? it in itself is
2: shenanigans.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brian, what do you think? Who you got?
2: I think uh, it's going to probably, they're just going to be tar out of each other. And that's how it'll end. I don't think you'll get a winner yet. I think you'll get, uh, oh my God, we got to go. We're out of time. Mm.
0: Okay. Rob, lights out match. What do you think?
1: Suzuki and Archer with a very reminiscent of Kingston laying on Moxley. Oh no. Like the,
2: the ring is gonna explode. But this
0: time he's just knocked the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> uh okay. <laughs> And uh, the main event, which this kind of surprised me, even though uh, this could end up being a really good one. Brian, your boy, Will Hobbs, the powerhouse. This could be a real standout moment as he takes on CM Punk. What do you think? Who do you got?
2: Uh, Well, I mean, Punk is going to beat Hobbs, but it's just setting up the Starks match. between Starks and Punk. Punk wins
0: this one. All right, Rob, what do you think? Hobbs, Punk. 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 Yeah, I think I think Brian's right. I think this builds to uh, Ricky Starks and, and Punk. Punk wins this one, but probably loses to Starks, in all honesty. Mm. Which I that's think would be I great. Think. I think that's a great way to, to build it. I wonder if perhaps that's how they're going to continue to handle some of these debuts. Like Punk seems like the kind of guy that's like, yeah, I could be champ, but I don't really need to be. Let's just do this. You know, I think he's got that
2: kind of insight. Remember what he said. Um, You know, I'm here to wrestle these young guys. I'm not worried about all this. So that's what you want. You want somebody like Punk to go out there and get the best out of Hobbs to show Hobbs how to work a match, to show Hobbs how to, you know, do all this other stuff, in-ring psychology and all this stuff. Let Adam Cole and Brian Danielson, and, you know, some of these others worry about the title right now.
0: It's pretty heavy at the top of the card right now.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying Punk won't get a run, but mm-hmm. let somebody that knows how to pop a crowd teach somebody else how to pop a crowd.
0: Mm-hmm. So guys, in uh, two weeks, two weeks time, well, no, a week's time next, not this coming Friday, but the first of October. Congratulations! Yeah, suddenly I can't uh, tell the way the dates work. Anyway, October first, Friday night SmackDown begins the uh, draft for WWE, moving into the fourth, which is where the draft concludes. Um. Normally, we do a pretty exhaustive uh, conversation about the draft. However, in this case, I'm not so sure that really even is needed because it's going to take something pretty major to get WWE back into the conversation. Is there a major move, Brian, we'll start with you, is there a major move that this draft could do immediately to change the conversation about them?
2: I mean, I think the only thing you have to worry about is Raw. SmackDown's making really good numbers. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm, you know, I'm sure there's something out there. I just wouldn't know what. I don't even know if they'd do it. I think they're probably going to, you know, swap some talent that ain't going to make no sense. Mm -hmm. Backload SmackDown and not really pay much attention to Raw.
0: This past week on NXT, they crowned Tommaso Ciampa as the NXT champion. We got uh, Pete Dunne re-signing with WWE for a e- contract extension. Rob, I'll ask you the same question with that in mind. Is there anything that WWE can do to change their conversation right now in this draft?
1: Oh. The only thing they can do is the stuff behind the scenes. They have wrestlers in positions. It's just they they have to have the creative behind the scenes to push the wrestlers and to use them in comprehensive and decent storylines. I mean, look at the talent you have on Raw. Look at the talent you have on SmackDown. You know, you have talent on Raw. It's just no one's beating... No one's being used the right way. I mean, you're having momentary feuds. You're having people come out and all of a sudden do this and do that. And storylines don't make up. makes sense. So if you would change the people behind the scenes, which means fire your soap opera writers and get people that know what they're doing and put more of the power in the talent's hands on screen like they used to, then... Hey, that might change the subject. But, I mean, besides putting Samoa Joe on Raw as the the man and barring sending Bobby Lashley to 205 Live, <laughs> nothing we're going to do.
0: I felt like uh, Big E cashing in, winning the WWE title, was... Um, a great move, but also, uh, maybe rushed to respond to all of the different changes that have been happening in the, in the wrestling landscape. I'm happy for Biggie. Don't get me wrong. I, I mean, it's, that's a major moment and a major thing for him, but as we go through and see what's been going on, um, you know, it's hard to really pinpoint a thing that's going to really move the needle because yes, I I'm happy for Big E and I think it's a major moment, but with the draft coming up right behind his title victory, uh, I mean, this isn't what I think is going to "quote unquote" move the needle. And I'm not sure that I disagree with Rob at all. I think maybe more of the more of the same happens with the draft. It, we see, as Brian mentioned, people that make no sense getting moved around, and ultimately, and a, a desperate attempt to to spike a rating, even though, realistically speaking. Brian's absolutely right. I mean, SmackDown was up 2% this week when, with their ratings. They were at uh, 2.08, somewhere in that, for uh, viewership, which is a pretty solid number. You got Finn Balor's storyline with Roman Reigns continuing as he's brought the demon back, which is cool. Brock Lesnar is generating some excitement, although how long that lasts, I'm still not sure. And you've got the potential feud between Ray and his son Dominic, which, at least in a couple matches, could actually be quite good. Nakamura over on SmackDown's Intercontinental Champion. I mean, they're, they've got the key players in pretty solid positions over on Raw outside of the tag division, which, I mean, is it really a division? You got RK-Bro. That's great. They're tag champs right now, but there's not a whole lot of logic behind what we're seeing on Mondays. I don't know what kind of shakeup could actually change that.
1: actually put the talent in charge
0: you know and
1: you have your tag teams you, you have the Viking Raiders you know you have legit tag teams how about putting them in the spotlight instead of taking your ta- your, your mid card and your main event talent and putting them together like they always do AJ Styles and whatever the big towel guy is oh, Osmos
0: osmosis, something <laughs> <laughs> um oh, I love it. We're getting but, gems from Rob tonight. Um,
1: I mean, it's the same thing they've done for years. You know, I mean, you put Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler together, but then now where are they? You know, so you could really, you, you know, it just takes going back to what they did. You know, using legit tag teams, filling in the gaps with the ones that you put together. You know, but, I mean, look, they did the women's tag. You just said. Rhea Ripley and Nikki Ash won. Took from a t- took the belts from the tag team that it was actually a tag team. And you took the two people that were just battling for the women's championship and gave them the tag team belts. It just it doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah, I mean the women's division is is rife with just all sorts of confusion. Although tonight there seem to be trying to make some sense out of it. Shayna Baszler finally puts down Nick Nia Jax. I mean in a in a real squash type situation where she put her put her hand in the middle of the steps and then s- smashed it to break kind of break the arm doing a a stretcher routine there. Charlotte Flair though feuding with uh, Alexa which I mean let's face it the supernatural character that that Alexa has has been entertaining but it hasn't necessarily been well it's definitely not moving the needle it's not gaining ratings but it 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 may have actually yeah yeah maybe it's jumped the shark maybe it's time to to move on um you don't have it a lot of other focus outside of it when she
1: that. was teamed with Bray
0: right makes
1: no sense after the WrestleMania fiasco it makes no sense she needs to go back to whatever she was doing before, get rid of the creepy dolls, and well, that's my opinion.
0: Right now in WWE on the main two, you've got 14 women on SmackDown. You've got 13 on Raw. Uh, Brian, is that is that too many?
2: Um, Well, I I mean, as long as you rotate them out. But the problem is you keep seeing the same ones. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'm sure there's, God, I, I couldn't even name on one show 13. I couldn't even name, like, combine the ones I know, like, 13 of them. Which is crazy because that means that you're wasting talent. You're, you know what I'm saying? They're not. Oh, yeah. You need at least need to rotate them on the TV if you don't have uh, another way to do it.
0: It should be identified that, you know, Eva Marie, who's run that she's on right now, she's she's probably coming to a close. She just lost a dewdrop drop tonight. <laughs> And then Lacey Evans is out because she was pregnant. Uh, clearly Rod didn't like you uh, Marie coming back. But uh, Lacey Evans out with, out pregnant. Dana Brooke is out. So now we're maybe at, uh, what's that, eight, nine? Over at SmackDown. Um, let's see here. Naomi has been inactive, although this past Friday had a little bit of interaction. Bailey is out hurt. Um, and Sonia Deville is inactive, only on a role as an authority figure. So even though you have these people, it's just... And I'm not even going to begin to try to count the talent that's on Raw because it's it's a page and a half of names. I mean, you got so many people, and they're still running into the same problem they had when they had the mass cuts. So I don't know. i, I got to say that, uh, to answer my own question, I don't, I don't think there is a move they can make. I don't think they can get themselves out of this.
1: The move they can make is use the talent they have. Like Brian said, you rotate them in and out. And that's something they've always had a problem with. You know, you get these people. And unfortunately, sometimes it's not until they get released that you're like, oh, damn, they actually still work there.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, You know, so that's what I think is the issue. One of the issues.
0: So we close out tonight, our last bit of conversation with something that this past week was not bad, not the best, but was different. And I'll, I'm not sure what's going to happen next, but I'll certainly tune in tomorrow night. And that's NXT stupidly being called 2.0. Let's uh, identify some positives here, Brian. Um, Hey, right off, right off the bat, we get a, a real good look at Rick Steiner's son with a horrible name, Braun Breaker, with, with two Ks. Not just one K in Breaker, two, because that means he's really bad. Or really good, I guess. Anyway, it was <laughs> a pretty good look at somebody that really potentially could be a huge star.
2: I agree. He was, uh, for me, definitely one of the highlights. There weren't many, but he was one of
0: them. Had him beating uh, L.A. Knight in a a head-scratcher because L.A. Knight was scheduled to be in the Fatal 4-Way for the NXT title in the main event. How the hell did that come about?
2: There was a backstage segment or something on could not they cross paths or something? And what, L.A. Knight said he'd take him in the ring right now or something? I mean, if I remember right, something like that happened. And he said, get in the ring. And he went in the ring. Well, alrighty then.
0: That's how we do it. You want to talk smack, you're going to get in the ring. There you go. Who cares about the?
1: billing and the publicity that's gone into your four-way chance for the title you're right, gonna be right. curtain jerking with a new guy
2: <laughs> mm, yeah but i i mean he his was a pretty decent um debut i, I mean feel the like-
1: match was decent it's just like when you go from the fatal four-way to hey you're gonna fight the new guy <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, and i I would point out that he didn't necessarily fight. he just got thrown around a lot. <laughs>
1: it was I like the look they had that matched his dad's last book, you know yeah, yeah, I did like that.
0: Now the question comes of what what do you do next with this guy? Uh, we get introduced not too long ago, just last week to the Creed brothers. Um, these guys. Again, another standout possible big star tag team. They're part of the the Diamond Mind, and there's there's a lot of potential with these guys. I like what they're doing with them. Simple, simple presentation. They are in black singlets. They come out there. There's not a. I didn't get a feel of. There's a gimmick or there's a, a character. It's just these guys. Just they're just gonna rough you up. They're gonna they're gonna throw you around, and I. I really, really liked their presentation. I'm interested to see what happens next with them.
2: Another highlight, I think yeah.
0: one of the uh, one of the the moments that really wasn't uh, a big standout for me, um, and I like both the Legato de Fantasma and uh, the hit row groups, I like their factions, but the interaction between them in promos this past week was just like, ah, this is a bit much. I mean, okay, they can talk, and they definitely can. There's no question that these guys can talk and provide us a good promo, but uh, I wasn't really, I didn't need it this week, it wasn't, wasn't for me.
2: Well, didn't she, didn't she, who did she face in the ring?
0: Oh, uh, it was... Yeah.
2: Okay, so, yeah, so there's my point, right? So, uh, you you have a segment where the opponent is forgettable. And then the what happens next with, with the back-and-forth banter, is forgettable. Um, I think this is, to me, this is one of those spots that just kind of drags the slow show down a little. Mm-hmm. I wasn't feeling
0: it either. It just it 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 did its job I guess, but if there was a, a part of the show where I'd have gotten up to get something to drink and to not worry about who's doing anything but, that was it.
2: Yeah, I, I I have noticed too that NXT is kinda of taking the whole everybody needs a group mentality.
0: Gang warfare, Brian. It's gang warfare.
2: Yeah, I mean, it seems like everybody's in a trio or quad right. or duo or something.
1: Well, it's everywhere, you know? It's like, yeah. A little overkill now.
0: now right, fit- I think
2: we skip right to the end. Though.
0: Yeah, yeah. We finish up with the uh, the Fatal 4-Way, which
2: was not a bad
0: matchup. Um,
2: no, and- no, no, not that end. The other end. The wedding.
0: Ah here's yes. The yes. The the wedding that was actually a wrestling wedding. I was impressed. Um there's a the main event segment was uh Index. Indy Hartwell and uh, Dexter Loomis getting married. The delivery of this one was actually pretty good. Um the comedy was timed well. There were spots there or parts where I just didn't expect it, like where <laughs> the priest asks if anybody objects speak now <laughs> and dexter loomis opens his uh, jacket and in there you can see a hand axe or a hatchet which uh i'm not saying anything <laughs> everybody's like nope 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 <laughs> um and then of course at the end we got we got a comment we got an answer an actual speaking part from dexter loomis where he said i do
2: As far as wrestling weddings go, that was probably the best. I
0: think. I I could I tried to picture like what would happen to interrupt you know the segment because wrestling weddings always get interrupted, but I'm grateful that nothing interrupted this one because it would not have played as well. I, I just I was very happy to see it, and it was it was a, honestly it was a fun fun segment. It was a fun way to end the show.
2: Mm. Yeah, I was expecting theory to do it, but he didn't. So, since what he came back earlier that night.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. After he had run away, but I'm back now. <laughs> <laughs> is he just aloof all the time now? Is that what the gimmick is? He's just, I'm here. Hello, <laughs> I'm Austin. <laughs> oh man, so NXT 2.0. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm gonna watch it again this week. We'll see what happens. Uh, I. It had moments there that uh, definitely made me pay attention.
2: I agree. There, the, to me, there were there was about 50-50 as far as hit and misses mm-hmm. for me personally. So I think it'll give me it'll give me enough reason to watch it tomorrow night.
0: Rob, final thoughts on uh, NXT Two Point uh...
1: It'll be interesting to see the new talent they got going on, and see if they can continue the the uptrend that they're doing.
0: Agreed, agreed. I don't I've, like the
1: new set, but hey, whatever.
0: I don't. I still don't like it either. I did like the bright lighting, that was actually different, but I didn't like the color. I don't. I don't like the the tie dye or whatever the hell it's supposed to be. I like
1: the whole thing they were doing during the pandemic, with they had the chains and like the the crowd was behind the cage, you know.
0: Yeah, that was kind of cool. I liked that like kind of an underground feel.
1: Yep.
0: Well, we've uh, successfully navigated our way to the end of the show. You can catch up with Rob on Twitter at hefnerc 2 c Catch up with Brian at c 2 c And me at Stan Grub. me at Stan Grub everywhere. Uh, you can also catch Is up that's with the your show.
1: actual name? Stan Grub everywhere.
0: Yeah, I'm everywhere. I should put that in there. I think I might. Uh, catch up with us, at, of course, for the show at C2C Radio Show, c2cradioshow.com. That's going to do it for another edition of Corner and Quarter. Thanks again for listening. We will see you next week when we're breaking down uh, maybe any last minute thoughts of the draft as we come up. And who knows? <laughs> maybe another episode of Dark Side of the Ring, although I hope it's not as heavy as this past week. Jeez. Have a great week, great week, everybody. We'll see you next time.